Kia ora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 22nd of June, 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how you doing, mate? How was your weekend? Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, pretty pretty quiet weekend, really. I guess the highlight, if anything, was was probably the sport, just a nice flow of sport now, and Crusaders got their victory, so... Um, yeah, it was uh, a good result. Not so good for the Raiders on Sunday night, but um, yeah, no, good all round. And a bit cold to get down to the rugby, was it, up in Willie? Yeah, it was. I was going to try and avoid talking about the rugby, seeing as uh, my bet <laughs> obviously went south with that one. But yeah, you know, cynical Crusaders, too many penalties, should have been nearly a yellow card. That's all I'm going to say about that one. But yeah, certainly too cold to take the family down, so I just uh, had to stay at home and watch that one. Otherwise, you know, it was... Um, Back into my own sport too, you know, kids had their little rugby on Saturday morning, um, took them down to the pool Saturday midday and they had my own football on uh, Saturday afternoon. So yeah, it was a pretty sporty Saturday and then chilled out Sunday for us, but um, good nonetheless, but yeah, the weather wasn't exactly that nice, so nice just to be able to take it easy when we could. Cool. Yeah, I um, must admit I didn't see a huge amount of the rugby and, and so to hear that the penalty count was pretty high against the Crusaders, I'm surprised that uh, perhaps there weren't a few more yellow cards, so... I like to think I'm a, I'm a balanced uh, supporter, so um, maybe move if, on to next week, I guess. Maybe if we uh, talk to someone like your dad, we might get a different view, eh? Chris Haddis <laughs> yeah, can't probably. do any wrong. Yeah, he's not a fan of uh, referees, so um, <laughs> but a big fan of Canterbury winning. Indeed, no doubt. All good, mate. Well, uh, I'll get you that beer next time you're up anyway, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully the, the Canes can do better next time. Yeah, yep, move on to next week. Exactly. All right, mate, well, let's kick into it. Let's uh, talk about what's going on in the property market. I suppose, as always, let's kick into the early market indicators report. And um, I was looking at you know the appraisals that are generated by the agents, and they do look to me to have really plateaued out. And I suppose, given the trend for listings has really started to hit those seasonal levels in the last three or four weeks now, pretty much bang on those averages, I'd expect we now really have hit that usual winter period where we do start to see activity across the board start to drift lower. Um, and so I don't think we're going to have that lift in listings that potentially some of the market was hoping to get until we get through to spring. So I think we have hit normal winter now. Um, and it's probably pretty similar with valuations. So we are seeing that demand is relatively consistent. It's plateaued out in terms of people going to the bank, obviously, you know, seeing a property they like and getting close to wanting that property, getting evaluation done for that as well. So we're still seeing relatively strong demand for property, but it is likely again to just plateau out now as we go into winter and uh, not likely to see things lift too much. So really looking towards that springtime now to see if we're going to get any sort of major lift, both from a supply and a demand side of thing. Um, also tied into that, I think it's worth looking at those, those properties, number of properties listed for rent has also started to drop away as we come through to winter. But again, it's in line with what we were seeing same time last year. And I did have a little look at um, the wider Otago region just because we saw some articles around the rental surge in Queenstown. Absolutely did happen in, in that wider Otago region where we see a number of properties listed for rent over the last month or so. But I did have a quick look. And um, again, when you compare to last year, it was very similar. And so I did wonder if it's just a typical seasonal lift, maybe as we transition to winter tenants, uh, you know, people coming to move to the area for, the, for the, the snow areas, of course. We did see that lift last year, see the same time this year, but it has remained slightly higher than it dropped away from last year. So maybe we're still at a little bit of an increase in the number of properties being listed for rent, 
um, and a little bit more pressure we might see in that rental market, which could cause rents to, to continue to drop a bit lower in that wider area. Yeah, nice one. I think, um, I suppose for me, a couple of things, just, I guess, to uh, highlight the, the difference sometimes between anecdotal evidence and, um, and and the real hard data. And I suppose this rental listings one in Queenstown is one where, you know, we're looking at, at actual figures here and, and okay, it might be, might be some slight, slightly above normal, but it doesn't seem anything crazy. So these anecdotes you hear about, oh, um, people offloading rental properties and, and um, wanting to get them on the market and not being able to fill them uh, may not always be representative. So I suppose there's always that difference. And then um, second, just on the on the valuations and, and appraisals, I think that's right that it looks like you know, we've we've um, we're sort of in a normal market now. So I, I suppose we need to, as we've said a couple of times, look forward to spring or look forward. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but uh, spring will be the the key marker, and that's what we've been saying for a few weeks now. That there's a few things that are coming together, suggesting that sort of September, October is a real crunch period. And talked about the valuations and appraisals and things, and, and potential rise in listings. But add the, the wage subsidies ending and mortgage payment deferrals, and it just seems like seems like that's going to be a crunch time. So um, yeah, we'll look forward, we'll look ahead to that, shall I say? Yeah, I think you're right, and it's like you say, it's from a number of perspectives. It's the listing side of things. You know, we need a lift in listings. We've been so low for so long, but also what's going to happen from demand? Are people going to continue to buy? Is there going to be uncertainty from election? And then also, are there some people who are going to be, you know, have forced or coming to stressed sale time as well if they do continue to not be able to find a job, unemployment continues to lift and they can't afford to continue to pay their mortgage. And so as you say, that's the one we're looking ahead to. Um, but we're a wee way away from that now. We've still got some time in, in winter where I think we're just going to see some, you know, standard activity probably happen, but a turnover, no rushed sales probably, you know, reduced demand for a period of time and we'll just sort of see a bit of a plateau out in activity. And, and values, of course, becomes the key thing to watch as well. What's going to happen with those values? We've seen a little bit of a downturn happened last couple of months is that going to continue or maybe things will just hold relatively flat until we get to that springtime so yeah plenty to watch out for um, but if we look at a more broader perspective now I think you know one of the key things that came out late last week was the GDP figure for Q1 um, and so you took a look at those numbers although again Q1 really interested in what's happening right now of course but what, what were the figures for Q1? So yeah Q1 GDP fell 1.6% in the first three months of the year which any other time would be a you know, massive news, headline news, crazy, uh, crazy, crazily weak performance. Um, and it was. Uh, it was the worst growth figure since the early 1990s. But, but really, uh, the things have moved on. And, and as you say, it's, it's all about Q2 now and people thinking GDP in Q2 might be down sort of 15 or 20%. Uh, and then I guess it's, it's up for grabs what happens after that. Um, the, the Q2 GDP figure will be released in September. So again, one of those things where there's lags mean that we won't actually know what happened now until until sort of we may be on some sort of upswing and people may think that's a little bit irrelevant as well. So I guess things are just moving so fast at the moment that economic stats sometimes lag. So yeah, there's, it, was, uh, it was a weak figure, but um, things have moved on and, and now it's uh, the hope has to be that 2021 and perhaps even the end of 2020 is, is, is better and we're on the upswing. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, 
Are there some other things that we can measure, we can watch before GDP figures come out? And so it's just keeping track of some of those slightly faster things, and we'll talk about a few of those later on. But as you say, still a good indicator to understand, especially when you put it in a historical context. Um, but yeah, and certainly, you know, given the fact that we've obviously got very few cases in New Zealand, most and all coming in from outside, you know, then the economy should be picking up. Um, like you say, maybe maybe the end of this year we will start to see that turnaround, which will be good news for the economy in general, and we would expect that to flow through to the housing market. So fair point. And and on that note, um, from a migration perspective, you wrote a blog last week, and I suppose it's really just looking at in a bit more detail into the numbers and really just writing down some of our thoughts and the stuff that we've been presenting over the last couple of months. So what were the couple of takeouts from, from that blog you wrote? Yeah, this, there's a lot of moving parts in the net migration equation, so I try not to sort of confuse the picture too much. But really, key point, the whole thrust of the article is to say, let's not completely ignore net migration as a possible driver for the property market and over the next few quarters and years. It's, it's been dismissed by a lot of people as, and it's going to remove a huge source of demand from the, from the property market. But there's reasons to think, or reasons to be a bit more positive than that and that there might be some sort of inflows. And really that's to do with returning Kiwis from overseas. And so I was just sort of digging into that a bit more and looking at some of the numbers. The, the inflow of Kiwis coming home is, is currently, it's already risen to a record high. We've had 11,000 New Zealanders return home and on, on an annual basis over the last year. So, and that's a record high. So it's already happening. And there's reasons to think that it, it could continue. If, if New Zealand's a safe place to be from the disease point of view, then, then those inflows could hold up. And I think that could still support the property market. People coming back, maybe with some equity that they've saved overseas, they, they might uh, look to, to buy a property. Even if they don't, it's still overall demand for property. They might go renting. still adds up to the same thing. So, yeah, I guess just, just don't ignore it, and uh, we'll be watching those Kiwi inflows to be the, the, the real true test for how things are going. And, yeah, I suppose, you know, the Kiwis not leaving as well, and they would be, like, not permanently migrating away or immigrating, as well as those that, you know, otherwise might have been doing some sort of OE um, and that being restricted as well. So, you know, those people are going to stay home now. And as you said, demand for property in some way, shape or form, as long as they can obviously get a job, of course. So that's the that's the key part. But I think you're right, absolutely. The fact that the net flow is 11,000 positive. And what's it been? What's the worst it's been? 40,000 negative? Yeah, going back to 2012, it was it was 40,000 negative. So uh, huge turnaround. And, you know, it's in, uh, the swing, I guess, if you want to put it that way, is sort of 50,000. So it's, uh, it already is, it already has come back. It's rising. And so that, that inflow of, of Kiwis is the one to watch. And, and like you say, a lot depends on the jobs market. You're hardly going to rush home, if, uh, even if it is safe from the virus. If you can't get a job, you're probably not going to be hugely better off. So that is a, a factor to keep in mind. But it, again, it's, it's, it's one we're watching. And, and I guess uh, you'd, you'd be, potentially misguided to ignore it altogether. Yeah, no, I agree. Really good point. And so you are pretty busy last week writing a few articles, Matt. The other one you did was look into our latest buyer classification data. Um, and really the key, I suppose, was to see who transacted through that April and May period. Um, what did you take out from that? Uh, two things, really. First, still appetite for investors. There's still people, there's still investors looking to get in, those mortgaged mortgaged investors. They've they kept their market share up at about 25% of purchases. So still a pretty decent presence for those those players. I was looking at, I'm not surprised in some ways, I was looking at turn deposit rates before and um, 
gee, like go back three months and you could get sort of a turn deposit. Okay, it might have been slightly below three, but around that 3% mark. Now it's down at sort of closer to one and a half. So even in three months, uh, term deposit rates have, have been slashed alongside mortgage rates, of course. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. But um, yeah, it does for those those investors looking to think about what they're doing with their money. Well, just raises that incentive again to get into the property market. So yeah, in some ways, not surprised. And then uh, just a tiny fraction of evidence that first-time buyers might be just questioning things a little bit, which again would be understandable because... As a first-time buyer, you, you maybe your KiwiSavers, although they have come back, but maybe your KiwiSaver balance for that deposit has has just waned a little bit. Uh, and you'd also be very wary of buying into a, a falling market. So there may well be a few first-time buyers just sitting and waiting to see how things play out. And um, yeah, so we have to see how the, the incoming figures go. But that, that was the overall theme. Investors still there, first-time buyers maybe, maybe fading a little, but... Uh, Low volumes, you know, we know volatile volumes, so we need to just keep those things in mind. Um, but those were the, the early signs. Yeah, absolutely. Those first home buys are interesting too because you wonder, you know, with the testing of the banks, you know, and the income checks as well, it might be a little bit harder for some first home buyers to, to be able to, you know, really make the banks comfortable with lending to them as well. So it might not just be about that deposit. Um, we do know that the banks have still been relatively restrictive with their new lending practices. Um, so that could also be holding back. It'll hold back all across the market, not just first-time buyers, but you wonder if they're slightly younger side, you know, what is their job situation? What is the future of their jobs as well? Maybe they've been a little bit impacted and that's held back some of their activity, you know, throughout that May period, I'd sort of say. But as you say, really interesting to see what happens, you know, now that we're sort of well out of lockdown, uh, people can go about their business, maybe confidence has come back that much that, you know, we can sort of see some sort of normal market come back as well. Yeah. Yeah, I also saw over the weekend, I think it was the weekend, maybe Friday, that um, ASB is now lending to investors with oh, up to 80% LVR. So uh, I guess adds to that case potentially that investors will keep looking at property. If they go to ANZ, perhaps the other banks might have to follow suit. I mean, ASB, I should say. Um, other banks might have to follow suit as well. But just suggest that uh, as an investor, you may be able to get in with less deposit than before. There will still be other tests, of course, but... Yeah, it seems like that competition's still there and um, deposit requirements may be taken down for investors. So, yeah, again, one to watch. Yeah, interesting point on the, um, you know, what's happening with the banks because I have heard some stuff as well saying it's actually been tightened up for some of those new developments, which is one thing that the government and the industry we know has been really wary of is that we still want to see the banks lending for new developments. And we've been hearing a few things from brokers that maybe that's actually been tightened up because the bank would rather lend to a property that exists than one that doesn't. Um, so one to certainly watch for, and maybe we need to get a, get a bit more of an insight from the, from the broker side of things to understand what's happening there, because I think, yeah, it's changing relatively regularly around the bank's lending to investors, to owner-occupiers, to new builds, to existing builds. So, yeah, we'll wait and see with that one, but certainly very interesting. Um, the other thing that obviously was out last week was our video. So sort of short, sharp take on the market. It is up on YouTube. And so if you just go and search and subscribe to CoreLogic New Zealand and, and please feel free to share those to networks as well. Just our short, sharp take on what's going on, giving a bit of detail around some of the numbers, especially looking last week at uh, the, the, the values as well, what's happened with the house price index data. So uh, good, good little take on that one. Worth checking it out. The other one that we released last week, 
as I say, you've been a busy boy, is mapping the market. Um, and so that's our take on, you know, the median value by suburb across the whole country, as well as looking at that change over time. We sort of put less focus on that change over time because it looks at the annual change and it's almost an irrelevant number at the moment, given the period we've been through most recently is the key. But it does give you a good feel for the median value um, of every property or every suburb, sorry, across the country to give you a feel for sort of affordability, I suppose, for those people that might want to be getting, getting into the market. And uh, when we released it, we did have a query around Wellington. And there's some areas we can't always get a value for, especially those more expensive areas. And we had a question around, you know, Oriental Bay and Wellington. Surely that would give Seatoon a run for its money for the most expensive suburb in Wellington. And so I did just go and have a look at some of the detail and behind the uh, the overall output, I suppose, that goes to market. And yeah, absolutely, Seatoon sitting there at 1.59, 1.49, sorry, million uh, median value. And when you look at some of the data behind Oriental Bay, although we don't display a figure, it looks like the median would hover around that $2 million mark. So no doubt it's more expensive. But of course, when we do try and create a median value in that area, it does suffer from having so many expensive properties, difficult to get an AVM for those properties in automated valuation. And so we don't display anything where the confidence isn't high to get that. So no reliable figure, but absolutely, if you're looking at that um, that tool, yep, yep, Oriental Bay would, would overtake Seatoon for that most most expensive property. Um, you pull those figures together as well, mate, and then talk to our geospatial team to get those up online. Anything else that stood out for you looking across the country? Yeah, probably the the Auckland thing, really. It was it was interesting because obviously, you know, Auckland went through a <coughs> bit of a downturn middle of last year, sort of second half of last year. And so it was interesting to see as I was running through the figures and a little bit of a write-up that a lot of those suburbs, uh, especially the, the sort of more expensive Eastern Bay type suburbs in Auckland um, were the ones that were probably, if anything, the weakest go in, in that mini downturn in Auckland and now showing, or at least, uh, you know, before we see the full effects of COVID-19 work through, they had been showing the, the biggest recovery. So, yeah, it was just interesting to see some of the, and some of the dollar figures are, are pretty pretty staggering. <laughs> you know, those expensive suburbs, even a small percentage rise translates into a, you know, a dollar increase that's probably bigger than the average value in, in Ashburton or something. So, you know, it just shows uh, it just shows the, the sometimes the dollar figures are yeah, pretty pretty nuts in some of those suburbs. But yeah, it's it's a great product. People can go in, obviously, see that the median median um, value for for their suburb and see you know, where they they might be able to afford to buy and or how it might have changed depending on on, the, on their interests. So yeah, it's a great thing. Get get stuck in. Yeah, I think you're right. And the colour coding as well obviously helps you to understand some of those changes or just the median value as well. I'll leave a link in the, um, in the podcast player notes as well. Uh, but it is basically corelogic.co.nz, mapping market. So um, yeah, go and, go and check it out anyway. And, and as always, let us know your feedback. And if there's anything else missing and you want to know what the value might be, then just get in touch with us. All right, mate. Well, let's look ahead to this week then. And it's uh, another one of those weeks where Reserve Banks seem to be pretty busy with releases. What are you, what are you tracking this week? Yeah, reserve banks—they've been probably just just playing in the background for a few weeks now. After a, after a lot of moves going a few months back, but um, this week, yeah, back in focus. So, first things: uh, credit card spending figures today were covering covering May. So the, the the April numbers were the weakest on record, unsurprisingly. And so, really, I guess with a lot of data series at the moment, it's all about the rebound. And okay, how fast did they rebound from from level four lockdown? And so these these will be will be stronger, um, but the question is how they well, will they go back to pre-coronavirus levels? I guess not, because obviously we used to have uh, 
foreign tourists spending money here on their credit cards. So I, I suspect there'll be a bounce back, but maybe not all the way. Um, so that'll be the first one to watch. And then the OCR, the next OCR call from the Reserve Bank on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Probably, well, could be relatively relatively tame, potentially. So the OCR probably kept it at 0.25%. Probably the quantitative easing program kept at $60 billion. Uh, but everyone will be watching the language. You know, it's funny how central bankers, it's, it's often kind of what they say, but also what they don't say and the way they say it. You, you sort of need an English degree to interpret uh, what, what, they, what they're trying to get at. So, so that could, that'll be, it'll probably be about the language, about the future rather than what they actually do. But Adrian Orr has surprised us all before. So who knows? <laughs> you wouldn't rule anything out. Uh, and then the mortgage lending figures, they're, they're due out on Thursday. This will be May again. So as I said earlier, for credit card, it's all about the rebound. They fell 50% in April. So it's, it's about how quickly they, they rebound back in, in May. Um, and also that, that shift to interest only, I guess the, the scale of that shift as, as people look to reduce their, their payments. So yeah, pretty busy week for the Reserve Bank. Yeah, so that, the mortgage lending data, that also splits it by the different types of buyers too, so it'll kind of back up some of the stuff we were doing with our own buyer classification. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and sort of the, one of the key indicators is, is the, the, the mix of investors versus owner-occupiers. There's a first-home buyer category in there. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a decent breakdown. They also do payment types. As I say, we can look at interest only and, and sort of capital repayment mortgages. And, um, yeah, LVRs. So there's also that LVR breakdown on, on high versus low LVR. So, yeah, really, really good detailed stuff. And, and again, the, the scale of the rebound will be the interesting one. You know, I think we'll certainly be paying close attention to that. And I do wonder how much offset there'll be from stuff that should have settled in April and couldn't really because people couldn't transact with the physical movement of people. And so we might see actually, you know, relatively normal figures I'm thinking for May because it could actually be essentially two months of settlements all done in that one month. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. And I think you're right, the breakdown of how it's all split between different payment types and, and buyer types as well is going to be really interesting. Ah, cool, mate. Well, I don't think there's um, too much else going on. I'm looking to do a podcast at the end of the week with Richard Deacon, our insurance specialist here at CoreLogic, just to understand what's going on in the insurance market. There's been some stuff around. We've released a flood model here at um, CoreLogic. It's available for insurance companies, banks, and the, and the like of councils. And so we might have a chat about that as well and just the overall insurance industry and it's how it plays in the property market. So I think that's what we'll look forward to at the end of the week. Um, anything, else, anything else for you that I might have missed today, mate? No, that's all for me. I'm sorry if you can hear a child in the background. That's my daughter. Uh, yeah, nothing else for me. And it's, it's going to be a busy week watching the obviously the Reserve Bank announcements um, and yeah, see how all that plays out. I'll be watching the mortgage lending in particular because I think yeah, the OCR call might be relatively relatively tame. But um, yeah, see how it plays out. Good as, mate. All right, well, thank you once again, and we're going to speak to you again shortly and see what's going on this week. Otherwise. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe, rate, and review us. Help us get the word out there and get in touch with us too. We're pretty active on our Twitter, LinkedIn, if you need as well. Um, and of course, we'll leave our email address in the show notes as well. Thank you very much. And we will speak to you later in the week or otherwise on Monday. Bye.